Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions and Day 2 of our look through Colossians chapter 2. I'd like to begin today by reading the verses we're going to be focusing on, verses 8 to 10. Colossians 2, 8 to 10. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Paul talked yesterday about the fact that we're rooted and built up in him, but he was concerned. He's concerned for you and I. That somehow the deceptive philosophies of this world will draw us away from the simplicity of our faith, being rooted and built up in him. So in verse 8, he talks about false teachers. And these false teachers, through their hollow and deceptive philosophies, what they were saying, what they were basically saying is Jesus is not enough. Jesus is not sufficient. You need Jesus plus something else, plus this philosophy, plus this way of doing things, plus this rule, plus this tradition. You need Jesus plus something else because Jesus alone is not enough. And Paul says they're trying to take you captive. That word he uses there for take you captive is the word for being carried off into another country into slavery. False teaching enslaves people. God's truth frees people, but false teaching enslaves people. So how does Paul respond to this, this false teaching? Well, we're going we're gonna to focus a little more tomorrow and the next day on exactly what this false teaching was and some more detailed answers to this. But his first response is the greatest and the most awesome response. His first response is to focus on Jesus Christ. What's the answer to false teaching? The truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Paul says they're saying that Jesus is not enough. In verse 9, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And that's not enough? All of God living in a human being, coming to this earth, telling you the truth, that's not enough? If that's not enough, what more than any human being could add could possibly be enough? That's what he's saying here. In Christ, all the fullness of God lives in a man. Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man. And before we go on and begin to talk a little bit more about this false teaching in Colossians tomorrow, I'd like to take the rest of the time today to focus on that truth. Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man. Because to understand that truth is to understand the truth about who Jesus is. And to understand the truth about who Jesus is helps you to deal with false teaching in your life. You'll recognize it every time when you see the truth about who Jesus is. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now, what does that mean? One of the early councils of the church, the Council of Chalcedon, a group called together in 451 AD to deal with the false teachings in that day of the nature of Jesus, they made a famous affirmation of this truth that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Here's what they said. Jesus exists in two natures which exist without confusion, without change, without division, without separation, the difference of the natures having been in no wise taken away by reason of the union but rather the properties of each being preserved and both concurring into one person. Now, most of us, when we hear that, we think, what? You want, we want to rewind this and listen to it maybe 10, 20, 100 times to get the meaning of that. What in the world does that all mean? Well, it means that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Jesus is that 100% of the time. Now, that's not good math, but it's excellent theology. 
The idea that Jesus was sometimes God and sometimes man while he walked this earth. First, he put on his God suit, and then he put on his man suit, and sometimes he was 50-50. No, that's not it at all. As Jesus walked this earth, as he became man, he was 100% God. He is 100% God and 100% man. Jesus was not God indwelling a man. He was not a man who became God. He was not God appearing to be a man. He combined in one personality, these two natures. He was fully God and he was fully man. Now, I know it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. That's bigger than our minds can sometimes even comprehend, but that's okay. He's God. I'm willing to accept the fact that there's some things about God that are bigger than my human logic. He is God. And because of that, Jesus is perfect humanity wrapped around undiminished deity. What does it mean for Jesus to be God and man? Let me put it this way and talk about it for a few moments. It means that Jesus limited himself, but he did not lessen himself. Jesus limited himself, but he didn't lessen himself. Jesus limited himself. I remember one time after doing a Bible study about Jesus praying, a fourth grade boy came up to me and asked, now, you, you talked about Jesus being God on this earth, but he prayed. Isn't that like Jesus was like talking to himself since he's God? Now, that, that guy was a thinker because Jesus is God. And this truth of the incarnation is that Jesus, when he came to earth, decided to limit himself in certain ways. For instance, he decided to talk to the Father, to communicate with the Father through prayer. How did Jesus limit himself when he came to this earth? Well, he took the form of a man. Philippians 2 is the famous passage on that, and you can see it in the Christmas story. He limited himself to a baby, and then to a growing boy, and then to a man. And that meant he limited himself to his presence being in one place at one time. Now, God wasn't limited to that, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This can get confusing, I know, as we talk about the Trinity and Jesus being on earth. But we're not saying that God was limited to one place at one time, but Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, decided to do that for a time. He even decided to take a position in which the Father was greater. He says that in John 14. Now, that does not mean that God was greater than God. That just means that Jesus decided to submit himself as a son to the Father while he was on this earth. He even limited his understanding in some ways. Matthew 24 talks about that. Now, he still understood many things we do not understand. He could see into people's hearts, but he limited himself in ways. Jesus didn't become any less God by deciding to limit himself. As Jesus walked this earth, he still possessed the attributes, all the attributes of God, God's omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, the fact that God is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. He still had all of those qualities every moment that he walked this earth. In fact, there are times when we even see that, his ability as God to know everything. For instance, over in Mark 2.8, the Bible says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. Well, only God could know that. Jesus had all of those attributes all the time as he walked this earth, and he could have exercised any of those attributes at any time, but he decided not to. He decided to limit himself. Now, I know the idea of Jesus being limited and yet also being God is difficult to understand. It's one of those times, again, when it's good to recognize that God is much greater than we are. There's one word that best for me describes this decision that Jesus made to limit himself, and that word is love. Have you ever limited yourself because of love? You probably have. If you're a parent, you certainly have. You'd love to be driving a convertible, but you're in a minivan. You limited yourself. You'd love to be at a nice restaurant for dinner, but you're at McDonald's. You limited yourself. 
So in some very small way, you can understand Jesus' decision to limit himself when he came to this earth to meet our needs, to love us. He limited himself, but he did not lessen himself. He was still fully God as he walked this earth. The decision to be born as a man, to walk this earth, to die on a cross, was made by him as a part of the Trinity. And while on this earth, he limited himself by choice. He could have, for instance, turned the stones to bread when Satan tempted him. He could have called 10,000 angels to save him from the cross. Matthew 26 tells us that. But he chose not to. And in that choice, he did not lessen himself. He made the choice that only God could make. Now, the truth of the matter is, as we talk about who Jesus really is, he is fully God walking this earth. That gives us the truth that you and I need to stand for the truth in daily life. And as we end this time of talking about Jesus today, I want to take a few minutes in prayer to praise him for who he is. It's in the spirit of talking to Jesus. Would you just say to him, Jesus, thank you. I don't thank you enough for who you are. Thank you that you are God. And thank you that as God, you chose to come to this earth. Limit yourself to that human body. Limit yourself to one place at one time, for a time. Jesus, I, I, I can't understand what that meant. I, I can't even know how difficult that decision must have been. And yet you made it because of love. And so, Jesus, I thank you. And I pray that I could see the truth in light of who you are. When confusing thoughts come, when false teachings head my way, help me to evaluate them all on the basis of who you are, God, who came to this earth to tell me that you love me. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. In your name I pray. Amen. Tomorrow we're going to talk together about the daily experience of our new life in Christ as we continue our study in Colossians 2. Mm -hmm.